salutations, world. This is Cream City Culture, the podcast, where we explore the people that are the foundation of the Cream City. This podcast series is homegrown and the viewpoints uniquely Milwaukee. Each episode will feature a change maker from our backyard that will give you the history and the future of our city. I'm your host, Ebony Siley. I'm a nationally known creative, but I'm your Brew City bestie. Welcome to this episode of Cream City Culture, the podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Solly, creative curator of culture. The Cream City Culture podcast is a place for real conversations, real culture built brick by Cream City Brick. I am so excited. Excitement doesn't even begin to cover how I feel about having the next guest Alderwoman Malele A. Coggs, a staple in this community and really one of the cornerstones, dare I say it, of Bronzeville, but really of Milwaukee. And I'm going to argue, and you can fight me if you want, of the state. So she's a champion of everything that is culture, everything that pushes us forward, makes us better. Welcome to the podcast, Alderwoman. Well, thank you for having me. Indeed. Give us a little bit of background about who you are. I am Alderwoman Milele A. Coggs. I have both the pleasure and the honor of representing the 6th Automatic District. I grew up on 3rd and Burleigh. I went to Riverside uh, High School. After Riverside, I went to a historically black college uh, university, uh, Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee. Graduated from there and went to University of Wisconsin-Madison for law school, where I learned that it was easier to create the laws than it was to fight about their interpretation in court. So I knew then that I would have a role professionally in legislative government. Um, so later, at the age of 30, I ran in 2008 for the woman of the 6th District. And I've had the pleasure of serving for the last 14 years. And 11 years ago, some friends and I created in an effort to help highlight uh, some of the great things going on in Bronzeville, um, Milwaukee's African-American Cultural Entertainment District. Some friends and I created Bronzeville Week. I love it. So when you when you were elected, the youngest woman ever elected to Milwaukee Comedy <laughs> Council, just put that in there so we, we understand the historical significance of this. Five generations <laughs> of political service, and I think that's huge. So knowing that you have this history with your family, how did you feel? And did you have the immediate vision when you won to say, I know what this neighborhood could be? I grew up in a political family, so I actually never even thought I would serve um, in this capacity. You know how when you're a little kid and people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? People say, I know you're going to be a politician. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. But like I said, it wasn't until law school that it really hit me that, yeah, I might end up um, being a public servant. As I envision, but as coming from a political family uh, and a family of service, um, I watched and I learned from some of the best. You know, one of my cousins is a former state rep, former county supervisor, Elizabeth Cox-Jones. She's the founder of the the King Back to School um, event, which is now one of the largest back to school events um, in the state. So I had the opportunity to work with her, help help with her and the board, the advisory board that she has pulled that off. So, you know, taking something that started in the park with 100 people to now, I think over 16,000 people come through annually and they give out over 5,000 book bags. But watching how she grew that event, helped the community, was a bridge for resources and all of that. 
I knew that if I ever got in office that I would do not just legislation, but I would also use my position to be able to bring resources to people, highlight pertinent issues um, and things of that nature. A bronzer week is one of many things um, that I have the ability to do. But so I didn't know exactly that it would come out with bronzer week. But I knew because I used to attend meetings about bronze before I became an older person. And I knew how discontent many people in the community were with how long it was taking to really come back and research. So I knew when I ran and when I won that I would make a commitment to making sure that bronze would become something that we all can be proud of, that, that, that my daughter and my son could look at someday and their kids could look at someday and know that we all played a role in helping it to be. So I've been laser focused on helping to develop Bronzeville and the neighborhoods that are embodied within it. I love that. Listen, it's, there's one thing I can say. There are people who watch what happened and there's people that make the things happen. So I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't just run through some of the things that just by you being in this position, you ha- occupying the seat at City Hall, you've been able to to bring to fruition in Milwaukee. We got Girls Day at City Hall. Just really quick, just share how impactful that day is for people who may not have been there before. We've grown through the years. I think we've done Girls Day about, I think, 11 times as well. And, well, we've grown from 38 girls to almost 400 girls um, that we bring in annually to be exposed to women in public service, both elected women in elective office as well as other public service uh, careers so that they can begin to be exposed to and to also explore for themselves the possibility of wanting to run for office someday um, and or serve the public. So we've had so many young ladies come through. We even had the opportunity to give scholarships uh, to some of those young ladies. So I would say at this point, probably a few thousand young ladies have come through. But it started because when I got elected as the youngest woman um, in 2008, out of 15 council members, I was the only woman. And the four years before I served, there was no women at the council. So some friends and I um, at City Hall really thought about what could we do to help make sure that there is an army of women who um, are ready and want uh, to serve at some point. So that 20 years from now, it's still not just one woman, <laughs> you know. And so Girls Day is what started it. And I'm hopeful that in the years to come, we will see many of those young ladies, some wonderful, brilliant young ladies, um, serve uh, the public in a variety of ways. I talked to uh, Matope Johnson, the the legendary artist, in one of the episodes, and we talked about how planting seeds can then come back full circle. So you are planting seeds with entrepreneurs through the MKE Business Now Entrepreneur Summit, planting the seeds of education through the Freedom Essay Scholarship Contest, the Housing Resource Fair. Where does the passion <laughs> and the time to to be of service really, where does that come from? Where does that drive come from? People consider my family a political family, but there's really only a handful of us that have had the privilege of serving in office. What we are more so than a political family is a family of service. Because whether people have held a title or not, everything from police officers to school teachers to social workers, our family um, embodies that. And even the black sheeps of the family have a resume of service to the community that we would be anybody. A, <laughs> so even if they're not, if their name is not on the letterhead, they're still out here serving the people where they want to. Or, or. It's, it's something we've been trained to do. It's something that's embedded in who we are. It's in our DNA. 
because we recognize that it is, um, I live by the model that it is the responsibility of us all to give back to the community that helps us um, to be who we are. And I, that's something my mother taught me. That's something my family has taught me and has taught all of us. That's this idea of bricks, right? You are building on what the, the generation before you has put down for you and you carry that on. Let's talk just a little bit about how you got started with the movement that is now Bronzeville Week. So what was the seed that was planted to kind of move that into what the beautiful celebration it is now? I always say, as people of African descent in America, we know well what struggle is and we know how to fight. And we know how to protest, but people rarely teach you how to deal with success. Mm -hmm. And the truth is the vision and beauty that we see in Bronzeville for someone else, they see a a black audience of purchasers for what they want to sell. That may have nothing to do with African-American culture and entertainment, which is what the district is designed for. Many people may know this story, but there was a big box retailer that wanted to come on King Drive and North Avenue, which is the gateway entry um, into Bronzeville after a full service grocery store had been promised. They had signs up, countdown on the on the window. They had staff. <laughs> like they we're had coming. Stuff on the shelves. <laughs> like we're coming. And people are like, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just coming. And some friends and I and residents and stakeholders from the area were recognizably upset about, you know, not getting the grocery store. And instead of just taking it, we began to organize. And as we organize, ultimately, if you go by King Drive and North now, you'll see that full service grocery store. And that big box retailer did something that I think nationally they've never done. And that's, um, you know, pack their stuff up. They and did. Like, like in the night, <laughs> back in a truck. And you, you ain't got to go home, as they say. But I thought that was such a, a, forceful show of making people deliver on what they promised and they came in under the guise that yes we're providing fresh fruits and vegetables um, for the neighborhood and ultimately it was going to be a dollar tree so with the power at city hall um that was shut down and they moved out (laughs) in the night um and now there is for for the people of that neighborhood you've got and really for everyone because listen that salsa (laughs) is again you can fight me It's, it's one of the best sauces i've tasted but um the freshness that the people deserve and so now it's a it's a pete's market in bronzeville so what after that the friends and I sat down and talked about the fact that we cannot as we continue to invest in Brownsville as we continue to build it we cannot just fight against what we don't want we need to attract what we do want and also highlight the great things that are already here so that maybe people can begin to see the beauty that we see um, so out of those conversations grew. First, we were like, okay, we can do a Bronzeville day. <laughs> we can do a Bronzeville weekend. And then ultimately, it came out to eight days mm. um, to Bronzeville week. So literally in three weeks. And you remember this because I think you even do- gave us a cheese tray at one of the events <laughs> with the lint in our pockets, our networks, and our friends. Um, in three weeks, we came up with support when you can. Listen, and, and that's why I say that, and that's really the the essence of um, Milwaukee is that we really have a midwestern flair for doing things ourselves yeah. and making sure that it gets done. And listen, when that circle calls and says we need, <laughs> then you just you just make it happen. So that that I absolutely love. Do you take that with you then in some of the city legislation where you're tuned into the people? And what the people want in being their representative. How, how do you make that connection? 
I am only as powerful as the 40,000 people I represent. So it is important to me to always be in tune and in touch with the people because it is them and their needs um, and the quality of life they seek that guides every decision I make, every piece of legislation I write. You spoke earlier about some of the event-based things I've done. I've also done over 800 pieces of legislation. 800? 800. Um, <laughs> okay. Or close to 800. Hello. So, but with those events, as well as the legislation, they're based upon the need I see. Like we do housing because in my office, as we get tons of calls every single day, it's people who need help rehab in their homes or people who are concerned about the foreclosed home on the block or people who have issues with housing. So that grew out of that. There's no meeting I have more than with people with a business idea or need help with their business <laughs> or need some financial assistance with their business. That's how MK Business Now Entrepreneurship Summit grew. The girls, they grew because I'm looking around. There's no other women yeah. here. What yeah. can we do about it? So and other women calling me, telling me, like, why is it anymore? So all of the stuff that I do is is based on what those I represent have said, have said they need it, have said they wanted more of. I still do personal meetings. I can still write legislation. But I always think of how to bring the resources, information, and everything right to the people. So even when we do the summit, it's right in the community, right on the bus line. Usually it's at MLK um, Elementary School or somewhere that's right in the community to serve them. The housing fair is usually at North Division or Northcott, somewhere right. And I do it in combination, the housing fair in combination with Alderman Stamper because we both have housing issues in our districts. But the goal is always right in the heart of wherever people are so that we can bring the information directly to them. Ugh, I love it. I love it. And I've I've been fortunate enough to come and present at the MKE Business Now Summit. And it's just a great experience in entrepreneurship. And so I talked um, in one of the other episodes with Deshay from the historic King Bid Drive, number eight. And we talked about just the vision of making that the best King Drive in the nation. Mm-hmm. And and so having these visionaries, how did you make sure that there would be resources earmarked for this particular neighborhood? So I saluted him for putting his money where his mouth is and making sure the city did the same. How were you or what were some of the maybe behind the scenes peaks to make sure that things got to where they needed to be on behalf of the people? Well, for stuff... Like Browns a week, like I said, friends and I literally went in our pockets and, you know, with cheese tray <laughs> and all of that. Or we called upon other friends to help make some of this happen. But for Bronzeville in general, the advocacy, that connection to the community, like I said, I'm only as powerful as the people I represent, is really those other stakeholders and folks that live um, in Bronzeville and them being able to also speak truth to power when it comes to issues of allocation of resources and the need for those resources directed um, towards certain neighborhoods. What do they say? The squeaky wheel gets, <laughs> gets the, the oil, oil, right? So it's it's something that I think the neighborhoods in, in the Bronzeville area have been very good at. And it's something that because we're in constant communication, I can let them know about um, as well. Recently, we just had some 
some money that could be used for infrastructure. And, of course, the Department of City Development called me like, what do you want to do? I'm like, no, let's call the Howard Park Neighborhood Association. Let's call the Brewers Hill Neighborhood Association. Let's talk to actual residents. Let's have meetings. Let's see what they want. They want a speed bump. They want to stop signing because it is extra money that could only be used in their neighborhoods. I could have said something totally different just that I want. But it was important to me to engage them to ensure that those resources didn't go to just stuff that the city thought was important, but stuff that residents themselves thought was important to help improve their quality of life and the environment around them. So it's those kind of things that I try to do to make sure that the resources that are there go directly to the community that is most in need of them. Okay, so this is my big, big question. When they write the history books, right, 100 years from now, what do you want the professional legacy of Alderwoman Malele Acogs to be in Bronzeville? That's a heavy question. It is. That's a heavy question. That with all that I did, legislatively and outside of legislation, to help the Bronzeville district, be as great as it is, was all in an effort to leave things more beneficial than I inherited them. Bronzeville at one time was Milwaukee's center of African-American commerce and entertainment. I actually have a great uncle who had a law firm in Bronzeville. It was once a place that across this nation was recognized by folks because of the entertainment and because of the commerce. I would like to have be remembered as being a steward to help to return us to that greatness and have built upon it for generations to come. So my hope is professionally that I'll be remembered that way, but that as people read about and understand my legacy, it stands as an inspiration for them to walk in their purpose fulfill their passions to help them be the change makers that this city needs for it to be the best Milwaukee that it can be. I love that. That history of the national talent that would come through Milwaukee. I'm going to bring that that history into today because through your work and, and um, the seeds you planted, Milwaukee has seen the return of some national and some international talent during Bronzeville Week. Can you share a little bit about some of those things that have been happening from the national lens? Yeah, this week we will be having Milwaukee's own Jacob Lattimore, who has agreed to come through on his birthday, no less, (laughs) um, to uh, share a conversation uh, with us about, you know, his experiences both in the music industry and um, in, with acting and all of that uh, for folks who, you know, may be trying to do it themselves. How, you know, as a person from Milwaukee, he's been able to have some national uh, success. Uh, so he'll be here to answer questions uh, from residents on uh, Wednesday, uh, August 10th at noon. He will also be here because we will be officially declaring August 10th, Jacob Lattimore Day in the city of Milwaukee. Exclusives. I'm just saying, the Cream City (laughs) Culture Podcast is coming through with the exclusives. You got to hit episode two to hear a freestyle from none other than our uh, historic King Drive (laughs) former executive director. So, again, we now we know there's Jacob Lattimore Day. What else do you have going on from the national standpoint? We do a Bronzeville Art Walk uh, the last day 
uh, Saturday, August 13th. And this year, it has a Caribbean flair to it. Uh, so there will be some Caribbean artists uh, performing as well. Excellent. Like who? Do we get do we get more sneak peeks? Oh, we don't know. You but just I will be say there. Milwaukee's own Ray Nitty will be dropping his Caribbean album that day. He will also be having his debut DJing with Caribbean music uh, that day as well. And shout out to him and Ray Hill, the new executive director of the historic King Drive Bid, because the Bid and Ray Nitty, they're the brain children behind this year's um, Bronzeville Art Walk. One thing I love is your consistent passion to level up, to think about what has been done, what will be done. So what do you hope Bronzeville Week looks like in the next 11 years? I hope we have a mix of of local uh, talent that gets an opportunity to be highlighted, not just performing artists, but also visual artists. You know, you mentioned Matope a lot, but what I learned through these last 11 years is that Milwaukee is home to some of the best artists in the nation. Whether we realize it or not, they are right here and we wouldn't even know it, but they're here. But finding those ways to highlight these uh, tremendous artists that we have in all areas of art, that's one. Even once we haven't hit yet, that we we haven't done yet, I spotlighted throughout the week. My hope is over the next 11 years, we'll spotlight even more of those artists, but that it will be a mix of both local and national acts that, that come through, that are highlighted, and that local folks get the opportunity, and regionally, because I believe Bronzeville Week will be something that people will travel from <laughs> Chicago, travel from Minnesota, just like we go to different mm-hmm. festivals, mm-hmm. you know, to these surrounding places. I believe Bronzeville can and will um, be that kind of destination place. But also that people begin to um, patronize the businesses and all of that kind of thing as well. Because as we are committed to continuing to build the best King Drive in the nation, there's more than one Bronzeville in the nation, too. And hands down, I believe we're building the best Bronzeville in the nation as well. I mean, I'm just saying it. it's the only when I look for Bronzeville week, it's the only <laughs> one I can find online. But I will say this from the entire community, from the entire state and just beyond from the vision of a few folks in a room to the New York Times list of the 52 <laughs> best places to visit. Um, I salute you and your vision and really having the tenacity to bring that to bear. Milwaukee is better because of you. Bronzeville is better because of you. And I think that'll be a part of that legacy. It's just the the amazingness that you've created. So thank you. We salute you. We love you, Alderwoman Cogs, the catalyst for Bronzeville Week. We know that Bronzeville Week is such a major component, major event within the city. Can't do it alone. I mean, you're fantastic, but you can't do it alone. How does something like this, this big, come to fruition? Uh, definitely. Like I said, this started with, with friends. And yes, I'm here as a catalyst, as a supporter, as a as an idea partner uh, for it. But it could not happen without so many people. Plus, while I'm doing this, we're still answering phones, dealing with potholes and garbage pickup and all of that um, as well. So definitely um, shout out to my staff, um, Akua, Glenda, and so many others. And this year we have a the clerk's office has a person who helps with events, Miss Deborah Moore. Um, so officially now it's a city of Milwaukee event. It didn't start out that way, but now it is. So we got some city staff that help and that's great. And then those some, those original friends are still around. They're still helping. Um, but most, uh, but most importantly, as we've grown, 
the ability to do this use of facilities, the the food, the artist cost, all of that stuff starts growing, right? So we can't use the lint in our pocket right. anymore. <laughs> so what happens is we ask for sponsorships. And I think what I find is none of this will be possible without the collaboration of so many people. First, the people who have the vision and who come up with the events. So we have been a committee of folks who, who come up with the ideas for the activities. And then the artists and the folks who participate, um, as well as the residents and the public that come. But it is those philanthropic those private sector and those other entities that are willing to sponsor uh, these events to help make it so that uh, 99% of the events that we have are free and open to the public. But we're able to do that because of the generosity of our sponsors. And this year, our um, presenting sponsors, because we have tons of sponsors and community partners for the different events, but our presenting sponsors are the City of Milwaukee, Historic King Dry Bid, American Family Insurance, the Office, the City of Milwaukee Health Department, Office of Violence Prevention, and the Milwaukee County Office of Equity. So I just do want to thank our presenting sponsors, thank all of our sponsors and partners uh, for the entire week, and most of all, thank the public, because none of this could keep continuing if people weren't coming out if people weren't supporting, if they weren't receiving um, the message of the beauty of Bronzeville that we're trying to send. Absolutely. It's time for, I would say, everyone to get information and figure out how you can participate and collaborate so we can see this thing continue to, to grow nationwide. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cream City Culture. Stay in the loop on all things Cream City Culture by following us on Instagram. Find info from our episodes in the show notes. Support Cream City Culture, the podcast, by subscribing or dropping a note at hello at creamcityculture.com. This podcast is for the culture, the Cream City Culture. Mm-hmm.